0: Welcome to the HR Think Tank, our podcast that uncovers the power a trusted workforce has on team performance, culture, and morale. We gather insights from experts, business leaders, and HR professionals to help you lead your team more effectively. Here's your host, Kai
1: Noh, CEO of Verify Now, a trusted provider of background screening services. A recent report from the Australian Government Productivity Commission showed mental health could cost the national economy up to $220 billion a year, which is just one more reason to care about how we can all support better mental health. Our guest today has vast experience leading teams and in her latest role with insurance giant NIB, is spearheading programs that are making a real difference to the well-being of staff and the wider community. Lauren Daniels has held senior roles in a long list of impactful companies, including BHP, Deloitte and Rio Tinto. She was recently promoted at NIB to the role of Group Chief People Officer, and we're absolutely thrilled to have her here with us today. Lauren, welcome, welcome, welcome.
0: Thank you, Kai. It's a real pleasure to be here today.
1: You've had uh, some very senior roles in HR uh, in your career and I'd love to hear more about your leadership journey. I think on this podcast, we do like to hear the personal stories and how people got there and, you know, some of the lessons and tips that you've learned along the way. So, it would be great if you could tell us um, a little bit about how you got to where you are today.
0: Sure. Okay. I'm very happy to share um, a little bit about my leadership journey. Uh, Let's see, I began my professional career in 2001, working in various consulting roles in human resources. I'd probably describe myself as a natural people person in that I love connecting with people, love understanding what motivates and inspires people. So, starting a career in HR seemed like an obvious choice for myself. I've been really fortunate in that I've worked for some amazing global companies throughout my career to date. And it was with Rio Tinto in London that I started my leadership journey when I worked in roles that were both indirectly and directly responsible for leading people. From an early age in my career, I was partnered with one of Rio Tinto's executives to help him transform his global function from a people perspective. And having that ability to directly shadow someone and watch a really accomplished and talented leader in action had a really profound impact on me in terms of what kind of leader I wanted to be and also what I, what I wanted to be known for. So, you know, working in the headquarters of a global business based in London and, you know, London literally is an international melting pot of a city, it really allowed me to see diversity in action. So not only was I working with people from really different cultural backgrounds, but I was also working with people who had incredibly diverse experiences, thoughts and ideas and being able to see how this contributed to business performance was a really invaluable lesson in leadership that I think has shaped my own style and thinking today. Um, I spent almost four years in London and came back to Australia to join Deloitte. Um, I was really keen at the time to diversify and move outside of natural resources and it felt like the right time to join a consulting firm to grow and expand my technical expertise in HR however it was not too long after joining Deloitte that I got a call from bhP and they were setting up an office in Sydney to uh, lead their energy coal business and it was just too compelling uh, of an opportunity to turn down so I joined it joined bhP and I I was really fortunate to work in a range of leadership roles, but I guess one of the the ones that stands out in my mind was an opportunity to step into a head of HR position, which gave me a real taste for leading a function and how the people strategy and agenda can create and influence real meaningful enterprise value. Uh, After BHP, I took some time out to have children and Probably one of my favourite stories was being 38 weeks pregnant with my second daughter and landing ahead of people in culture role with NIB. So as you can imagine, the interviewing process was was quite interesting. Um, uh, but but you know, the fact that NIB was prepared to wait for someone um, before I started um, really meant a lot. And straight up talk to me about their culture and their contemporary way of looking at things. Uh, So, as as you mentioned earlier, Kai, recently I was promoted to the group chief people officer role. And, you know, in some ways I feel like I've come full circle to um, some extent with my leadership journey. I have the privilege to work with a really visionary CEO who is a natural people person. Uh, and I also have the wonderful opportunity to work with a bunch of talented peers in their own right in the executive team, which has me feeling really energised and inspired yeah. for the future. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. it-
1: so yeah, because Laura, I'm, I'm really keen, you know, to, to hear from you, what have been some of your key influences in your leadership approach? Because you know you've worked uh, across different jurisdictions. you said you've you've worked with some amazing executives, but I'd just mm. like to hear if if you've got any specific moments um, that that you you reflect on and go oh, okay that that's been a key driver of how I do things now.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think um, there was a pivotal experience when I was working in London for that executive um, because I literally had the opportunity to work. In partnership alongside um, that person, and got across a broad range of um, business issues. So, not just working specifically in the people function, I was working across his whole um, global division. Um, so, I got a taste of merger and acquisition activities, which I found really exciting and, and exhilarating. Um, but, but you know, what was really interesting about some of the things that I got involved in that were not so directly people related is that there's always a people bent, um, and I think if you have that hr uh, background um, it's it's really quite transferable um, and and very universal in terms of its application you know i was reflecting a lot um, on my leadership journey and i was thinking about some of the leaders that i've worked with and and you know how they've had an impact on me and and why and you know i think it's the it was their generosity of spirit um, and that showed up in many different ways. It was the ways in which they entrusted me with opportunities to lead really important pieces of work, how some of these leaders invested and showed interest in my own growth and learning And how they also taught me um, that it's okay to fail, um, because you know through those failures. That's hard. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, But but it's really important to fail um, sometimes. Yeah. And you know the biggest piece is to pick yourself back up and um, you know keep on moving forward. So you know I think some of those experiences and some of those folk that I've worked with has really shaped me to be the leader that I am today, and it's really motivated me kind to create similar experiences for the people I lead. so yeah. you know yeah. ultimately that you know the way I see it is that I have a role to play in sharing my knowledge and experience and some of my learnings so others can develop into this role that I'm in or or maybe even a better way of describing it um, is is actually saying that I think all leaders have an obligation to pay it forward and and I think by paying it forward we have an obligation to nurture and grow our people to realize their full potential and You know, I feel really fortunate in my career and that I've had plenty of those opportunities with so many fantastic, diverse leaders.
1: I think you've recapped that really well because uh, having run this podcast now for for two seasons, the the common theme from the leaders that we've had on this show has always been about paying it forward, um, passing on the lessons, opening doors, you know, creating pathways for others to succeed um, compared to, you know, some of the leaders that... We hear about, but they're not sort of adored. Is is that that fear? You know, they 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 lead by fear and they don't let anyone else succeed except them. So I think you you've captured it really well. Um, and I can see that just with the conversations that we've had with you. You know, you're really warm uh, and, and embracing. Oh, thank and you. I, I, one one thing, the one thing that I did want to ask you about is the parenting front, right? The whole having a family because myself, you know, well, I started a family with my wife in 2019 too, and I get this question a bit, which is, has having your own family adapted or completely changed the way that you lead, the way that you see, you know, people management um, and, and, and just team management? So, I want to throw that question to you because, you know, you said to us, you interviewed or got this confirmation at 38 weeks. With your role with NIB, <laughs> so I'm really keen to see if that's had any influence, uh, and if so what what has that influence been?
0: yeah that's a really great question um, absolutely it has had an influence on me in terms of you know what sort of person I am um, but also um, you know what kind of leader I am I think um, naturally when you sort of enter into um, parenthood um, you know, I think I think you understand what it's like to to have a family, but when you experience it firsthand, um, you really do understand that it's, you know, pulling people in all sorts of different directions and you know, it's a very incredibly rewarding experience. But you know, it can sometimes be really challenging for some folk to find the balance between life um at home and then also life at work. So for me, um, I think, you know, how has that played out into my leadership style? I I think, you know, there's a lot of empathy. There's a lot of understanding uh, and there's a lot of flexibility. So, you know, I, I appreciate that, you, you know, it might not necessarily um, mean that someone needs to log in and, and start um, a day at 9 o'clock and finish at 5. You might do a morning shift if you like and then you might take some time out and then come back on uh, later and, and, and you know, do your work. I think for me it's more about, you know, recognising that, you need to give people space um, and let and, and trust them. Let them do their thing. And you know, if they've got the right skills and capabilities, um, they will flourish if you give them the right support and environment to be successful.
1: Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for that. Thanks for that insight. And I have a whole bunch of other questions that I'll ask you another time because um, we got you on the show today to not only talk about the initiatives that are taking place at NIB, um, but we also wanted to talk about you know, some tips in terms of helping our people manage mental health, you know, in, in in their lives. So, some of the most significant funding and program announcements from NIB over the last year or so have been around mental health initiatives. For example, uh, you guys made a big donation of $750,000 to Lifeline Australia. And then, internally, the implementation of the Life at NIB program, which was aimed at supporting the mental health and well-being of your 1,300 team members. So, I've just got a few questions on this. My first one is, why does NIB have such a strong focus on supporting mental health in the wider community?
0: Good question. Um, Look, uh, our purpose is your better health and well-being. So this extends to our community partnerships, which are mostly funded by our charitable organisation called NIB Foundation. So by way of background, uh, the NIB Foundation focuses on supporting initiatives which better Um, which aim to better equip uh, Australians and in particular youth and young adults with the tools, knowledge and resources they need to ultimately live healthier and happier lives. So it's part of both NIB and the NIB's foundation's mission to empower Australians to be really proactive about their health and wellbeing and ultimately prevent individuals from being able to um, develop chronic health conditions later on in life. Um, Our $750,000 partnership with Lifeline focuses on prevention and postvention uh, mental health support for Australians. So, you know, I I don't think it would come um, come as any surprise to anyone, but in 2021, Lifeline experienced an unprecedented demand for crisis and mental health support, and they saw a significant increase in their use of online resources and services. And I think, you know, we all saw this uh, to some degree through our own lived experience through the pandemic and we saw this as a really important opportunity to give something back uh, to the communities that we operate within um, given that this is a cause that we're really quite pa- quite passionate about. Uh, you know, ultimately, Kai, we hope that our partnership will enable Lifeline to provide an online support toolkit for Australians to access self-help resources and tools that will allow individuals to take ownership of their own mental health journey and hopefully um, avoid reaching um, that crisis point.
1: One of the things that have come out of the pandemic over the last you know, few years, and and sadly we're still talking about it because there, there are still cases of it, um, there are still real-life impacts of it, but one of the takeaways – for me, have been the increased um, conversations around mental health and the importance of it, and and removing, I guess, some of the barriers that people had previously. And I found this not only at work, but I actually found this in my own personal life that family and friends were m- more willing to talk about it. You know, some everyone has a different way of dealing with it, right? Yeah. Some some love yeah. to crack jokes about it, but deep down, you know, <laughs> they're saying that they're suffering, but. Their way of managing is through laughing. Others, you know, manage in different ways, you know, more outlet, more sport, taking up new careers. I don't know how many people took up baking, um, over the the (laughs) pandemic, right? So we've all, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. So we've all got our own ways, but I think that's been one of the, 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 the positive things to come out of the pandemic is this increased awareness about it because for a period of time, um, yeah there's and some still hold this view but there's this stigma around talking about it and being weak if you talk about it so i think that's been one of the big changes and and with more people taking up some of the services with lifeline obviously we would prefer not to have been in pandemic and lockdown but with more people um accessing the service it's it's normalizing it so it's not making a oh well you know only You go into that corner and you access it and and, and that's it. Because in in my background, I used to work with um, young people, uh, Mm. youth at risk, um, Mm. and young offenders, uh, young people who have been in jail. And this was always, you know, something that was a stigma. So. Lauren, I think it's wonderful that NIB is doing that. And I hope um, that that support continues. Mm. I want to switch now to an internal focus, which is around the life at NIB program. I'd love to understand the genesis of this program. and What was the motivation uh, for, for its implementation in your company?
0: Yes. So our shift to hybrid working uh, first occurred at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. So naturally, our main focus at the time was protecting the health, safety and well-being of our people. So we shifted to full-time remote working, um, but initially as an experiment. However, it wasn't too far into our journey that we discovered that our people were really enjoying this way of working. Mm. And by you know, giving them freedom and choice and where and how they work. We saw that, you know, our engagement results and our productivity results were increasing. So, that actually um, prompted the thinking to actually formalise this hybrid way of working, uh, which we affectionately call life at NIB. Um, so, you know, it's uh, this model's transitioned um, oh, out of, um, you know, quite a a tough time in our history, if you think of the pandemic. Um, So, you know, from March 2020, this is where we sort of discovered this new way of working. And now that's really fully transitioned into a mature model, um, you know, as we know it today.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And and I guess uh, we're going to move into the part where we, we talk about the team impact, the employee experience, the learnings that you've had. So, in a recent survey of NIB staff, 85% said that, you know, this company supports my effort to balance my work and my personal life. Uh, 85% said that they felt they had the flexibility um, to meet both their work and personal needs. Um, and then they answered, you know, flexible work was the strongest recurring theme across the group for the question, what is the company doing well. So clearly, you know, you've had some really positive take up of it. And I know you yourself, um, are a big supporter of it. you you're, I think we're, we're talking from your home right now, right? Yeah. You're working from home <laughs> at the moment. So you're, you're clearly leading by example. So what have you seen as some of the positive impacts in terms of the work culture? Um, and also when it comes to recruiting and retaining staff, what's been the impact of NIB uh, life at NIB?
0: Hmm. Look, we, we've had some really fantastic feedback on our new remote working approach and how it's helped to support our people in achieving better balance between um, home and work lives. Uh, we've had employees tell us how it's now um, so much more easier and accessible for them to be able to do school drop offs and pickups, you know, attend medical appointments. Or we've even been able to participate in really important cultural rituals and events. So, you know, in in summary, I would say our remote working experience has been really um, incredibly positive to date and has had a positive impact on our culture. You know, reflecting on your point around attraction and retention, it's, it's a good question. I think we've all heard about the great resignation and the war for talent, which involves um, many companies experiencing high turnover. However, for us, our turnover has um, remained relatively stable, and I think we can attribute that directly to our Life at NIB program. I think we recognize that people are looking for more than a traditional reward package these days they're looking for an experience and they're looking for an experience that they can tailor to their own personal circumstances. And this is something that we can genuinely offer. And then the other piece around um, attraction, you know, life at NIB for us has opened up our ability um, to be able to go and source talent from, you know, different parts of the country and even outside of Australia. So, you know, that's allowing us to, ensure that we can attract the best talent, but also uh, ensure that we're attracting our fair share of diverse talent as well.
1: Yeah. And, and with the recruitment piece, you know, we've, we, we've offered recruitment services for some of our clients as well and we've had a whole host of candidates like not even consider a role if hybrid or for some remote work was not on the agenda. Like they just straight out said, nope, I won't even consider... Have you found that to be the same?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, we're in a really fortunate position in that people are saying what has attracted me to NIB is the fact that you have this amazing model. Um, And it's, you know, a model that actually gives, you know, the individual some empowerment to be able to say, well, I think I could work it this way. Now, provided that that works within the legislation, it's safe and it meets our business requirements, um, we're really, really flexible around that. So, you know, it's a, it's an amazing draw card for us. It's a real
1: asset. And, and is this a shift that you see is a long-term shift for NIB? And I'd love to hear your comments because you, you, you've got considerable experience in this space. You've seen um, how how work has changed. And you worked at some really large companies So firstly, just comment around NIB, is this a long-term shift? And then if you could um, dare speculate with me what you think the long-term impacts for, I guess, all employees uh, could possibly be.
0: Yeah, so let's start with NIB. Um, I think absolutely this is a long-term permanent shift for us. Um, You know, we we recognise that to stand up this type of um, working, we've actually had to change the the physical footprints of some of the um, offices or hubs, as we call them, uh, to, to make it more conducive to flexible and hybrid working. So, we're moving more from that sort of traditional office environment to more sort of collaborative style workplaces. So, you know, we've made some pretty bold and permanent moves in rationalizing some of our real estate to be able to facilitate that type of experience in office. Uh, You know, one of the other things that I would say with our Life at NIB program, Kai, is that this was born out of our people's uh, feedback. Um, You know, this um, was something that Our people told us that they really enjoyed and they loved and they valued, and I think that this program will continue to evolve based on our people's feedback and their experience. So provided that it's still working for them and we're not seeing an impact on our business, um, yeah, I I absolutely think it is here to stay. In in respect to other organisations and what they're doing, you know, I ultimately think that there's going to be a push as there's organisations. I mean, you said it yourself from a recruitment perspective, people are just saying, well, if you don't have that flexibility, you're probably not on my shortlist because there's so many other um, folk out there that that are offering this. So, ultimately, I sort of think that people are faced with a choice um, and, you know, the choice is either to stick with that traditional way of working and offer some sort of level of flexibility or be actually really bold and lead the race and, and and you know, sort of move to the future way of working, which I think is, you know, absolutely what we're doing today.
1: And I think what we've seen over the last few years due to the, the shortages, the closed borders, et cetera, is um, a shift in the balance of power. And so people want flexibility and people have had the power because they've had the options to say no to the ones that don't offer the flexibility and then i think that's in a way that's forced some employees to rethink their stance on office only approach um, i know in our conversations with with clients and and people within our network um for various reasons they they actually can't offer it but for the majority of roles you that there can be some sense of flexibility even if it's one or two days a week there is an ability to do it um so it's just fascinating in 2022, I guess, having this conversation, if there are any employees, particularly if they're digital first, um, to say that they can't offer flexible arrangements.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a really good point that you make. I think um, before the pandemic, um, if, if you think about that, about our core business Um, we have a lot of frontline operational folk that work in a contact center and you know if you think of traditional contact center environments it's you know really noisy buzzy spaces um you've got lots of people that are working alongside each other talking to our members um providing them with support and guidance and you know um I think it was hard for some folk to think that we were moving away from that type of environment because that's all they ever knew and that's all that they were very um comfortable with but you know i think it's important to challenge and experiment and you know the pandemic actually really allowed for us to to take that leap of faith and 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 experiment because in some ways we really didn't have that choice so Mm, yeah. yeah i i think um I think for us, it's, it, it's, it's wonderful that we've actually cemented that this is part of our long-term strategy and our vision.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. With with this great amount of flexibility, what sort of challenges have you faced in also ensuring that team members are continuing to perform at the level that is expected of them? Um, so, the question really is how do you think flexibility has affected performance management and productivity?
0: Yeah, it's, it, Uh, Look, I think it's natural to assume that you would start to see a change and perhaps even um, see a dip in performance and outcomes when you move to a significantly uh, different way of working, particularly a way of working that is still relatively new as we've talked about, Kai, when you compare it to traditional ways of working that have evolved over the late 20th and 21st centuries. But for us, we've... um, You know, if we reflect on FY22, we've had one of our most successful years, um, um, you know, to date. Uh, We've seen really strong results across both financial and non-financial metrics, but particularly in the people metrics. Um, We've seen some increases in our engagement scores as well as in our inclusion and well-being uh, dimensions, and we've also seen some improvements in our overall safety metrics which we look at um, such as LTIFR. So, yeah, I, I think um, it would be easy. It's probably easy to think that, oh, look, you know, because we're not seeing people, they're not visible in an office environment that, um, you know, potentially it would be more difficult to, to manage performance and outcomes, but our results are actually suggesting otherwise. I think it's important to call out that leaders play a really important role in pulling this all together. Um, they're very much responsible for role modeling and setting the standard um, to define what is expected of our people. Um, because, as I said, as I mentioned before, life at NIB is focused on output, uh, not hours. Um, you know, we recommend that um, time. Um, You know, we recommend that 80% of your time should be done remotely and that there's about 20% time in hub. But we empower our people to actually make that decision as to you know, what does their working pattern look like um, based on their business requirements and also based on their personal life requirements as well. So we're not mandating um, anything to say that, hey, you need to be here in a hub um, at least one day a week. It's really up to our individuals and our leaders to work out what works best for them. And, you know, if it's something isn't working, um, our leaders and our people need to meet each other um you know, at the same level and define a new way of working and and looking at experimenting and changing things up. I think it's also important to recognise that, you know, this new model requires different skills and capabilities from our leaders to stand this up. So we've been quite purposeful in developing, um, you know, a a whole – newly revised employee development curriculum um, that includes bespoke leadership development programs and initiatives that are targeted at different levels of leadership. Uh, We also have a mentoring program in place that provides all of our leaders with greater opportunities to consider how do they build their knowledge, skills, and experience and capabilities to support productivity and engagement in a hybrid working environment.
1: Yeah. Feels like uh, for for NIB specifically, you know, you guys have had a strong, really strong focus on people, and and this program has allowed, I guess, the whole of the business to really reconsider how we manage people, how we manage output, what, what the expectations are. Um, so, in terms of the adjustments that you've made, you know, we've had two and a half years now to adjust, but just reflecting on some of the changes that have occurred, have there been any operational pressures that have prevented NIB from meeting customer expectations and, and what has been their impact on customer experience?
0: So, so, like I said before, um, FY22 um, was a really fantastic year for us. Um, so, you know, pleased to say that there's been no detrimental uh, impacts in any of our financial and our non financial metrics. And, you know, by non financial metrics, we also include metrics that measure the customer experience.
1: Mm. Okay. And so you haven't, um, you haven't had too many complaints of people saying, where are the people? We're not getting the same service that we were getting before. <laughs>
0: No, no, because a lot of our service and our support has actually um, always been uh-huh. um, over the telephone. Yeah. Um, so, folk, you know, we're calling into our contact centre, so they're still very much able to do that. Uh, the only difference is, is that, you know, I might be answering from the comfort of my own home versus, um, you know, being in a hub or an office mm-hmm. type of mm-hmm. environment. Uh, and then we also have a whole um, suite of digital channels as well that um, our customers and our members can interact in and engage with to be able to get further guidance and support on, you know, different services and products that we offer.
1: That's really positive. And I think, like you said, you know, the results speak for themselves, the financial and non-financials um, I think have, have given you strong support or strong uh, encouragement to say, yep, what we're doing works and let's keep doing it. Uh, so so I, I just want to touch on the, the last thing around the flexibility. And I think you, even though you're encouraging 80% uh, you know, work from home and 20%. I love that you guys have that flexibility because it's not a one size fits all. I know early on in the pandemic, a number of employees were trying to mandate like some sort of strict ratio, you know, 3-2 two or 2-3. Two, and I, I had a number of people say to me, I don't like this. I'm going to look for a new role. Like, you know, how do we go from this flexibility and the results were there the productivity was there what was the justification for bringing back to three two and there was quite a bit of uproar actually if, if you read the media as well yeah you know, because yeah. it, it is a good thing but i i will also say that i am a proponent or a supporter of um hubs or office situations because we do need that connection which is the the the, the Uh, I guess the topic that I'd like to talk to you about now which is the social impact um, between our team members so with the greater flexibility and more team members working from home some companies have found it a challenge to maintain you know incidental social contact for their staff so-called water cooler chat which can be beneficial not only to the mental health but to workplace collaboration because you do get those opportunities to get to know each other just a little bit more you know And, and it's when your brain relaxes a little bit more that new ideas sort of come out so is this a factor factor that was considered when developing Life at NIB program?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, it's fair to say that our Life at NIB program is ever-changing as we learn from our employees what's working for them and what isn't and You know, we're really deliberate in going out there and getting that feedback from our people, whether or not it's through more formalized channels such as our, you know, employee engagement surveys, or whether or not it's just through, you know, that employee leader relationship where we're getting that sort of sense of how things are working for people. Um, We 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 absolutely appreciate that there is a really important social aspect of working coming together, and that's something that a lot of us still crave. Um, So you know, that's part of the. Reason why we've sort of set um, set that sort of 80-20 principle out for, for people to define, well, how does that work for, for you and how does that work for your team? So, you know, we've got a lot of teams, so I'll use my team as an example. We tend to come into the office um, every fortnight for a catch-up. Now, you know, some people might not be able to make it um, in that fortnight, but it's really important just to protect that time and know that, well, if I don't catch up with, um, you know, Carly or Cass that fortnight, I'll, I'll get them in another meeting. So, you know, for us that, that that was a really important consideration that we were being quite deliberate and and purposeful in bringing people together and giving them some really good reasons to be able to come together
1: yeah i think I think that's great, and, and you know i 'd love to talk more about the strategies that you 've used um, at NIB to address this challenge because i 'm having these conversations with people all the time right even now we 've got a remote team across multiple states, and trying to get everyone together is is quite challenging just because of the the, the distance but getting people within those cities um, is a lot more doable uh for us but even my wife yesterday who works for sydney university she attended an event it was a, I think it was an awards night i don't, I don't you know we're releasing this podcast like anyway so i think i can say it um but you know she got she received uh, an award and oh, she fantastic. said it was really nice to yeah. see people and i think she said there was about a 100 people there um so it created a place for this gathering it created an experience it wasn't just to show up to work and then to go into your own offices and then not talk to each other because when those things happen it's sort of like well we should have just stayed at home anyway you know we're literally doing the same thing whereas i think some of the employees in our network are conscious are being deliberate about cultivating some sort of experience when people are coming into the office whether it's a a morning tea where it's an awards whether it's training but not making it like a mundane experience um because it doesn't happen as often now so i'd like to hear a little bit more from you lauren what what some other strategies that you've considered and have put in place to to create i guess more of a social interaction more social impact and uh, i call it social capital uh within the workplace so i'd love yeah over to you
0: yeah, look, uh, I, I think it's really important to note, Kai, that um, there's a number of strategies that, um, you know, certainly that we, we've deployed, um, but I would imagine that there's a number of strategies that organisations would need to look at because there's no single solution. It's the sum of all parts that contribute to tackling social connection in a remote working environment. And and, and a lot of the strategies that we've deployed um, have probably um, been trialled and tested um, um, you know, by us experimenting as to whether or not they're, you know, effective, and you know, some of which um, haven't been effective, and some have been really fantastic, uh, and some we're still evolving and still tweaking with. So, you know, I think the biggest thing that folk need to come to terms with when you're operating in a hybrid environment is that creating real connections it takes time and it takes effort. Uh, you, you no longer putting people in an office or putting them in a cafe or in some sort of social setting, hoping that they'll cross paths in the hall. Uh, You you will need to be really quite intentional about bringing people together and and having them, you know, connect and, you know, getting them to connect um, for a purpose is a really great start. Um, You know, I think for us, we have used technology to help bridge that gap when people are working remotely. Um, so, you know, we use a lot of social enterprise tools such as Workplace and Zoom. Um, that's, you know, been able to, um, it, you know, allow for us to be able to provide our people with um, some, you know, wonderful access to to training and you know different initiatives um, and support programs. Particularly if you're thinking about well-being um, and mental health, we've been able to tap people into various um, initiatives that um, work really well remotely. But none of this will ever replace um, the importance of coming together face-to-face. So, the types of things that we come together for in person is for team strategy days, uh, team meetings, as I mentioned previously, just general team catch-ups or events or celebrations. So, you know, recently uh, we had about... 600 people come from all parts of Australia to Newcastle to celebrate NIB's 70th year um, anniversary. And it was so special because it was such a milestone moment to celebrate, but it was also really special because everybody really appreciates and values the time when they come together to connect um, socially. So, you know, I think if you weren't deliberate and purposeful about facilitating um, some of these interactions, uh, you, you, you know you, you potentially um, you potentially could fail in, in not being able to create a really safe um, and prosperous environment for your employees. It's a really important yeah. piece to consider. Well-
1: Congratulations on that as well, and and getting Thank everyone you. together. I wonder where everyone stayed. Like the hotels, motels would have been happy, uh, you know, having NIB chuck a huge party. Up it there. was an
0: interesting logistical <laughs> challenge for some members of my team. That's for sure. Um.
1: <laughs> and 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 so, Lauren, we you know we we've been talking uh, about mental health. Um, early on, we talked about some of the support that NIB is providing. Uh, I just want to touch on mental health, and I guess what the impacts of remote work have been, you know, particularly for people with with, with young children as well, such as just such as you and I. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about this and, and I guess if you've got any observations or, or comments you'd like to make about it, you know, some people have found it really tough because they are used to that, you know, constant um, social interaction. Uh in our first podcast for season two, uh, we actually spoke to the CEO of Relationships New South Wales mm. around the increased, you know, loneliness uh, and I guess mm. the the lack of connectedness when people have worked remote from home. Um, and I know you've talked about creating some of these events and and, and all that, but I, I just would like your take on mental health um, support at at NIB and just generally what what your view is on that. Particularly because people are working more from home.
0: Yeah, so um, it's it's a priority for us. Um, that that would definitely um, you know be something that that I would say um, you know first and foremost that ensuring our um, people it it gets back to our purpose really Kai Um, our purpose is to ensure your better health and well-being Uh, so that's um, for our members and um, our travelers but it's also for our employees as well and we recognize that We've needed to put a number of supports in place to really um, facilitate uh, that experience for our people. So I, I can share some of those things for you to give a bit of color as to what that looks like. Um, we've um, put some really specific training in place uh, around um, health, safety, and well-being. Uh, some of which, which used to be delivered in person, but now is actually being delivered remotely. And you know what's really interesting about that is that we've actually found that. Some people have had some really positive experiences and been able to access remote training as as mental health can be quite a personal thing. So, being able to access some of these programs on your own terms has been a really um, positive experience for some of our people. I think through the pandemic, um, we learned lots of lessons. Um, so, you know, we had a lot of employees that were in Sydney and in Melbourne who were, you know, experiencing really long durations of lockdown. So, we recognized that we needed to step in and create some really interesting and engaging campaigns to assist them through that. Time and you know one of the campaigns that comes to mind that we put in place was uh, lockdown love, uh, and that um, you know basically basically talked to um, a series of different things that that people could access, such as um, conversations with our mental health first aiders. Uh, interactions or training sessions with our employee assistance um, program provider on mental health resilience. We gave people free wellness hours of leave. um, So, you know, we don't know... We didn't need to know what you were doing, but we wanted you to take out an hour for yourself out of your day to do something that made you feel good about yourself. Um, so it could have been reading, it could have been meditation or exercise in the home. Uh, there were lots of digital gratitude cards that we circulated around. And, you know, there was also some really great um, things that our people pulled together off their own bat where they started um, creating community groups on workplace, such as pride at NIB and culture at NIB where people were able to share some of their own experiences and insights and and some of their learnings as to how they were sort of working through the experience for them.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was really helpful to go through. And you know, I was meaning to ask you that that earlier, um, but I, and I didn't want to lose that opportunity because I think what what you've talked about and what we've read about with the changes that NRB have made have have been really positive. And we, I guess, part of our show is to take some of the practical things, some of the lessons, some of the failures, um, and to share that with our our audience, so then they can go, okay, well, I'm considering doing that. I might give that a trial. Okay, I might avoid that. That probably didn't work so well for Lauren. So you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try that at another time. Yeah. Uh,
0: another really practical tip um, that that's worth mentioning, and one that's really easy for other people to um, you know quickly implement is that we um, pulled together a program where um, basically it's called um, Coffee with Our CEO um, initiative. So it's a monthly catch up with our CEO where all of our new starters get the opportunity to meet our CEO in the virtual environment, ask him casual questions, get to understand what's front of mind um, for him and, you know, what he's looking to do from a, a strategy point of view. And it's also an opportunity for him to learn about some of these new folk coming in and, you know, what sort of roles they're taking on at um, NIB and, you know, just the impact of something so simple Um has been really incredible. Um, so, so there's another practical tip that um, yeah, that's you know, that's a great one to implement. Yeah.
1: Just opens up doors, and you know it allows, I guess, the leadership team to have a pulse on what's going on as well, and meeting some of the new talent that's coming on board. Uh, Lauren, it's it's been awesome having a chat with you and and learning so many wonderful things that are happening at NIB. Before we wrap up, we like to do the fast five. This is where we ask you five quick questions <laughs> okay, about well, you, so we get to know you yeah. a little bit better. Uh, are you ready for this? Go for it. What was your first job and why did you get it?
0: Okay. Um, this, it always makes me giggle, um, but my first job uh, was working at a golf course in the Hunter Valley, driving a golf cart around um, selling drinks and snacks to golfers. Uh, so from there I graduated to restaurants, um, but I look back at my hosp- hospitality days with fondness, as I had so much fun and I met some really wonderful people that I'm still friends with today. Um, as to why did I get the job, look, um, I was a student. So I, I needed to to live, but I think um, I think they saw that I was a very social um, person and I enjoy a good chat. But look, I have to say, Kai, I don't know whether or not the golfers would have appreciated the social <laughs> aspects of my personality. So, so that was my first job.
1: I'm sure they they would have. What's something interesting that's not on your CV?
0: Look, we've we've talked a little bit about it throughout this discussion, um, but I run a busy um, household. Um, I'm a mum of two young daughters, um, and we have two English stuffies, one of which which joined our household a couple of days ago. Um, and you know, talking about well-being, um, I have a goal where I try and do. 10,000 steps every day so you know if I can get to 10,000 steps and I've got a smart watch to track my progress um, I, I feel like I've achieved something from a um, health and well-being perspective.
1: That is good motivation. I know it's raining here in Sydney but you it's saying that I'm gonna rain. get out after I'm gonna get <laughs> out and, 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 and walk so I can make Absolutely. some of those steps as well
0: Do it if you can.
1: What have you learned about leadership and working on a team that you would want to teach your younger self?
0: I think from a leadership point of view, um, you need to make people feel like they can be themselves. And I think you can do that by creating a warm and trusting environment where people feel included and they feel like they can belong. You know, when people feel at ease, they are most likely to perform at their best. Uh, what would I say to my younger self, um, I'd say lean in, um, enjoy the mm. moments that you are presented with and know that time and experience is a teacher in itself and that everything almost always works itself out. Don't, don't sweat the small stuff.
1: Good advice. Provide a highlight from working in a trusted team.
0: yeah so when when you find a team that you trust and you feel empowered to be able to do your thing, it just feels right. Um it's not hard. It's fun and it can be incredibly exhilarating and rewarding, um, you know, to be a part of a team that are working towards a common goal um, and seeing what you can achieve as a collective is something that's really special. Um, I, I consider myself to be really fortunate in that I've seen this many times in my career, but um, I'd have to say I'm really proud to say that that, that I see this time and time again in NIB, uh, not just within the people and culture team, um, but at you know, across all parts of our business, people coming together, you know, working in trusted teams.
1: What would you like your legacy to be? That's
0: a hard question, Kai. Um, Look, I I don't see it as my legacy per se, um, but more about how can I play a role in harnessing the collective talents of a really highly engaged and, um, you know, a high-performing team to achieve really great things. So, I guess this is getting back to um, my piece around being able to um, pay it forward um, and play my role in that. Um, And I guess, you know, you you might ask the question um, around what are some of those really great things that you'd like to achieve? And I think, you know, to me, they're pretty simple and straightforward in that, you know, some of the things that I see myself and my team doing is being able to create a really unique experience um, that makes people want to join and ultimately stay with NIB.
1: Lauren, thank you so much for your time today and joining us from Newcastle. It's been an absolute delight having you on the show, learning more about NIB and and I guess the approach that you guys are taking with remote working. I think you're absolutely on the right track and you're going to get loads of good talent, I think, because of your approach. And yeah, I can't thank you enough for your time today.
0: Oh, thanks, Kite. As I said earlier, it's a real pleasure. Um, I've really enjoyed the chat.
1: Today's guest was Lauren Daniels, Group Chief People Officer at NIB, one of the fastest growing health insurers in Australia, trusted by over 1.7 million people. We got insights into the challenges and opportunities of revolutionising the workplace model for a team of over 1,300 people and how NIB has shaped this new way of working to create better wellbeing outcomes for their people. You can learn more about NIB on its website, which is linked in the show notes. And of course, we would encourage you to follow Lauren Daniels on LinkedIn.
0: Thanks for listening to the HR Think Tank with Kai no. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share our
1: podcast with your network. Check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in today's episode or visit the Verify Now website for more information.